Well, Nachal Haredi is uh, one of the most amazing stories in the state of Israel. And uh, we'll explain what it is. For those of you not familiar, we will get an explanation of what Nachal Haredi is and how long they've been around. Uh, Rabbi Tzvi Klibenau is among the founders of Nachal Haredi, and he is visiting us at JMAM this morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, Nachal. And Sergeant Natanel Silverman is a member of Nachal Haredi, serving in the Israeli army, and he visits us as well this morning here at JM in the AM. Good morning to you. Boker Tov. Boker Tov. Nachal Haredi is how old at this point? It was founded when? We just celebrated our 15th anniversary. It's 15 years already. Unbelievable. And essentially, um, let's do this in a uh, in a summarized fashion for our listeners who may not be familiar. Nachal Haredi is, how would you describe it? Nachal Haredi is, a, first of all, is a street name. Uh, the actual uh, f- army unit in the army is called Netzach Yehuda, right. which today ex- uh, con- uh, consists of about 1,400 soldiers, including a fighting battalion and an educational component and uh, uh, actually a number of uh, uh positions for young men that are not able to be combat soldiers. But uh, Nachal Haredi provides an environment in the Israeli army where a young man who comes from the Haredi community, has a lifestyle from the Haredi community, is able to perform his military service as a combatant without compromising on any religious issues. Right. Uh, And one would have to say, although it may be unfair to ask you this question, one would have to say that it has that if that is its goal, it has been a success in the last 15 years. There's no question in my mind that Nacharidi has, has been a success. Yes. Um, just to uh, give everyone a taste of the environment in which it was founded, it was not it was not very easy to go ahead and start Nacharidi Netzach Yehuda, right? No, not at all. There were a lot of people, would you say, opposed or critical or skeptical or all of the above? I think the word is vehemently opposed. Really? Yeah, the first four years were were very, very difficult years. Attacks on Arabonim, physical attacks, verbal attacks, uh, busloads of people to the front doors of the Rabbanim to uh, ask the community to throw them out. We, we had a very difficult first four years. So what's going on now in Israel is is nothing compared to what you went to 15, through 15 years ago. Right. As a matter of fact, the, the short little spurt that we saw about uh, a year ago where there were incidences of uh, of people in from Meir Shorim that right. were chasing, uh, you know, the in uniform, we actually uh, sent some shivers down our spine because it, it was a little bit reminiscent of what we had gone through in the beginning. I, I personally think that that's something which you know, is uh, not a not a something which is a, will continue, but something right. which is here and there. But we did have very very difficult years in the beginning, and two things had to happen. Nachum, the first thing that had to happen was that the Haredi community had to understand that the Nachal Haredi or the, the Netzach Yehuda, uh, which became a battalion, right. was uh, a formidable force for the IDF. Not a ploy, not something to make Kiilu that their Haredi uh, Right, to exempt something. oneself from army exactly. service, essentially. That, right, and as soon as... And, and that took time. That really took time because it doesn't happen overnight. You you, you form a... a I shouldn't say exempt. I should say to get it over with, to get right. your army service over with, right? right? right. Just right. go in, make believe you're doing something, and, and then you're ready to go to the workforce. Exactly. We started with 30 boys, 
It took a few years. It grew to a battalion. Right. So that was the first thing. I assume the second thing was rabbinic uh, support, right? You, you needed the rabbis, even the ones that were with you from the beginning, to be vocal about it, I would guess. Right. Uh, you needed them to be vocal in a positive way. Right. And uh, the other real component was uh, that people had to be convinced that the environment that we talked about, that the army committed to, was would be was, was right. would be maintained exactly right. that it's a kosher environment. Right. Uh, there were demonstrations where people uh, stood up and, and and fantasized about what was going on. Right. And it was and spread it was, rumors exactly. And, right. and I, so it had to be proven. Once once boys came back and told their parents what was really going on, and it right. was a real environment. Those two things uh, led the way. For Rabbi Tzvi Klibenow is here. Um, would you say? that you've been able to maintain that commitment for everybody. In other words, is Nacha Haredi religious enough for everyone, essentially? I know there are exceptions, you know what I'm saying. But but basically, anybody from the religious community in Israel who would come to Netzach Yudah would feel comfortable there, essentially, based on the way they've grown up or the requirements that their their family you know, has given them over the years. Would, would, would that be a good general statement to make? I know there are exceptions, but would it be a... a, a a, an accurate general statement to make that it basically gets 99% of them into into a comfortable environment. I would say that our goal is to is to create an environment that will allow any young Haredi man that decides that he wants to serve in the army to serve in this environment, which would be kosher. It's a, it's not a, a simple task. Right. The army is not a simple place, even with right. all the even special with all the conditions. accommodations. Right. That's right. And it also depends upon the type of boys that you're recruiting. The goal of Nachal Haredi is, is not to take boys that are learning in yeshiva out of the yeshiva system. Right. God forbid. That's only according to the rumors. <laughs> only according to the rumors, <laughs> right. Uh, we, we, are, we believe that a boy sitting in, in, in yeshiva and learning is learning for Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael needs that boy learning for the Hemshech of, of, of Klai Yisrael. Correct. For a boy that doesn't find his place within the walls of the Beis HaMedrash, and once upon a time, that boy had no path for success. Right, couldn't excel anywhere. Nowhere. He was, uh, what do we say, between a, a rock and a hard place. Yeah, or, or, or between the cracks, where he just between falls through, and that's the end of it. Between the cracks, where he falls through, exactly. Nachal Haredi, for these boys, is, is a Hatzalah, and it's a Hatzalah for everybody. It's a Hatzalah for their parents. It's right. a Hatzalah for the boys. So I'm, I'm sorry for always interrupting. It's usually the indication that I'm very interested in the topic. Um, so which rabbis, and you don't have to name them, but w- were there some, even in those first four years, that were very vocal on your behalf? And would it have been impossible to continue without that vocal support? There were rabbis that, uh, that did give us uh, support in the initial time, uh, the initial period. What happened was even the rabbis that did, did give us support after the word got out that Nachal Haredi was actually starting and the... Right, the word on the street the word altered the, there. And the vehement opposition right. started, so how a lot of a- them pulled back. So you were able to continue because of which, of what moral support? Because of parents, because of uh, community members who were not rabbis, because of some rabbis. What, what allowed you to get through that initial period? Uh, tacit support. Simple as that. In other words, we know... Everyone's saying it's terrible, but telling you, keep going. That's right, exactly. How do they say, still hate, right. quietly, just don't don't make a lot of noise, but keep on doing what right. you're doing. Well, we, that's what they always say about the English Talmud, right? It's horrible, but quietly they'll say it's the best thing in the world. Let people continue to spread the word of Torah through it, that right. type of thing. Right. Rabbi Tzvi Klibbenau is here. Uh, sergeant Natanel Silverman is here as well. You became a sergeant when? 
A year and two months ago. And how long have you been in Nacha Haredi? Two and a half years. And um, did it give you an opportunity to excel? Definitely. You're able to become what among the... I mean, would the army recognize you and some of your colleagues as top soldiers or top members of the battalion? How would they classify you at this point? Definitely, definitely. The army recognizes it. I myself won a few awards for uh, best in unit, best in the class, uh, things of those sort. And throughout Israel, I could excel now. I could go out, get a job. And all I have to say is I was a fighter here or a fighter there, and they... Respect it and recognize right. it. You know, I read Joel Chasnov's book about being in the Israeli army, which I can only somewhat recommend because it's very graphic. But the training that he describes in there is insane. Is the training in your battalion also classified as insane by American Jewish young man standards? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. It's, it's uh, a very it's tough. extremely tough. It's extremely tough. I mean, to the point where when you're presented with it, you wonder whether you'll be able to do it. Like, it's just... It's one of those things where psychologically you have to overcome it, and yeah, for sure. You uh, you also learn that you're able to accomplish anything that you put your mind to. Like uh, if they were to tell you at the beginning, this is what training's about, you would you would go home and that's right. it. On paper, you would never sign up. You would never be able if to you pass knew training. what your commander would ask you to do in the first few weeks, right? Right. Not just not just from the beginning. If they told you that morning, oh, we're going to have to run ten kilometers today, you you would say that's it. But they tell you that you have to run four or five, and then just in the middle of the run, they <laughs> they continue, work their way you know, up They to just 10. pull you along the way. So you could wor- you so, could you could run ten kilometers with what on your back? How many pounds of or kilos of material on your back? A uh, vest, uh, helmet, water. I mean, but we we oh. talking about what twenty thirty pounds of stuff? Yeah, easily, right? Yeah. And you'll run those ten kilometers, we'll which I guess is equal to somewhere over fifteen miles, right? Something like that, or around fifteen miles, something like that. It's the opposite. The, the other way around. Oh, it's, it's the opposite. About, it's about six miles. About six, six miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what my expertise is in or not in. All right, so that's six miles, and you're running with all this, and you're, and it's just part of a regular training day. Yeah, sometimes running, sometimes uh, conquering a mountain, conquering a field, you yeah. know, that they'll teach you how to, how to navigate through. What has been the most difficult thing for you to do? And I'm not referring to training now. Have there been assignments or, you know, we, we've heard about Nacho Haredi or the Netzach Yehuda Battalion being involved in anti-terror uh, practices. I mean, what, what, what were among some of the most difficult things that you participated in? I myself have participated in many missions, many uh, nightly arrests, uh, many raids in different cities and towns throughout the Shomron. Um, I've been shot at a few times in Janine. I've been, I've gotten multiple cocktails thrown at me plenty of times in, in uh, Hummer patrols and along the gate that separates uh, Palestinian villages and Israeli Shavim. Um So Netzach Yehuda members are at the same degree of risking their lives as any other soldier in Israel. I would say even more so because uh, we've been we've Netzach Yudah has been entrusted to Janine and Tulkarim. It's the probably That's the your two, region. That's our region. It's probably the two hottest cities in the whole country. And uh, most it's like Chabad getting Siberia, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys get Janine. <laughs> so most most units move around throughout Israel. Uh, they move Israel's they move areas every few months, and Netzach Yudah has been in Janine since 2008. Right? Um, I think that's based on our performance, and the government is just like, all right, we gave it to them; they know how to deal with it. Let's not switch that up. And uh, Nachal Kredi soldiers have a lot, a lot of action. 
based Unbelievable. on based on our area. Do you take a lot of English speaking non Israelis or are, are people like the sergeant now Israeli? Like how does that work? We take a uh, conglomerate of young men that uh, make up the battalion. I would assume the majority of them native Israelis. The majority native Israelis, and a certain percentage, maybe 8%, are Machal boys ah, that volunteer. Who from, can do their service with you. That's right. They come in specifically to do their service with us. Nisano right. is, is one of those young men. We have boys from France, from Australia, from England. There is no question that if not for Nacha Haredi, there would be young men in Israel and other places who would never join the Israeli army. There's no question about it. No question about it. Because we have been told, or rumors have For been... For Americans as well also. Right, understood. Rumors have been spread. <laughs> it, it sounds like plenty of those have surrounded your unit since the beginning. Um, that that in reality, any boy that's an Acha Haredi would be in the army. And they, they would have a more difficult or more uncomfortable time. But now, because Nacha Haredi exists, they're able to go to a, a battalion like this. Untrue. Untrue. Uh, the... the vast majority, if not for, I would say, 90, maybe 95%, only are, are in the army because of Nachal Haredi. So what I just described might be 3-4%, simple as that. Right. Which you'd have to expect, right? I mean, that you'd expect. Right. But if 95% are the way you just described, then obviously that's a great success. Right. I do want yeah, to add one thing which is uh, very, very important to what Nassanel started to say. The Nachal Haredi is the only IDF battalion that has responsibility for two Arab population sectors in, in the entire IDF. To, to, to say Usually it would be one. Usually it's one. They have a responsibility for, for two very, very, what we say in Hebrew, Oyen. Rough very, neighborhoods. Very threatening neighborhoods. Right. Tulkarim and Janin. And Janin itself has 300,000 Arabs. It has 42 Oyen villages surrounding it. And uh, Tulkarim is just uh, another very difficult area. And uh, what you touched upon, I think it's important to, to explain a little bit. Really, the, the job of the soldiers of the Nachal Haredi, they're part of a brigade called Kfir. And Kfir's sisma, uh, their, their code is defending the homeland. Right. So while many units are, uh, will be you know, rushed to different areas in time of crisis, the IDF realizes you have to make sure that the Arabs within Israel are kept under control. Otherwise, we'll really be in a problem. Right. It's the it's the job of uh, of Nachal Haredi, the Kfir Brigade in in, um, in general, to make sure that 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 happens. So they really have a a night job. They uh, they really have a night job. Their job starts in the evening because when can you go into a, a, an Arab village to uh, surround a house and right. and, and, t- and take a prisoner, the person you're looking for, only during the hours of the night. So they work with information from ODN. They'll get they'll get exact information. Uh, Muhammad is going to be in this village, in this house, in this floor, in this room, from this time to that time. It's their job to go in and get that. Uh, and get that I, I would guess details about some of this you would not be able to say on the air, right? Details not, but as uh, Rev Kopenhauer had said, how specific it is. It's amazing the how much you know the we get the, the intelligence that we get. Sometimes we've been on, on the entrance to a village, and we'd get a call, and they'd say, "Wait a few minutes, the guys at the bed cafe." And then 10 minutes later, we'd get a call. All right, he's back home. You could go get him. And that's that's what we work with every night. By the way, I want to mention that tomorrow night, um, tomorrow night, right? Tomorrow night, you're at the Golumbic home in Lawrence, New York, correct? Correct. Tomorrow night, Nacho Haridi representatives, Rabbi Klibanow and uh, Sergeant Silverman, 
will be at the Golumbic Home in Lawrence, New York, making a presentation. You're all invited to attend. And Shabbos, tomorrow morning, they'll be visiting a Congregation H. Kodesh, which is in Woodmere. Uh, Shalashudis, they'll be spending at the unusual of Lawrence Cedarhurst. Information about all of this, and if you want to speak to Rabbi Klibanow during his short visit to the United States, which ends on Monday, so if you want to get in touch with him, uh, do so uh, soon. He's at 201-377-3575. Again, that's 201-377-3575. And you've explained to us in the past, it's been a while since you've been on the air, but you've explained to us in the past that obviously much of what we discussed is funded by the Israeli Defense Forces and the government of the State of Israel. But there are educational programs and other things that Nacha Haredi actually fundraises for, right? Programs that are part of Nacha Haredi that, that where the funding would never come from the Israeli government, correct? That's correct. It's important to understand because when we do come, and we come for two purposes. We come, first of all, to raise awareness about Nacha Haredi. Right. Nacha Haredi is not a given People don't really understand what it's all about. It really needs an education. Right. And I think this helped a lot, by the way, for a lot of people. Right. And uh, <clears throat> what we do is uh, the the government... Sorry, no <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> the government um, supports the, the Netzach Yudah Battalion and all other soldiers of Netzach Yudah like they do in any other, any other unit. Right. Uh, there was a time many years ago where we did get some contributions to buy M6 tactical lasers, uh, some Stinger uh, flashlights so that they could uh, check uh, Arabs at checkpoints. Uh, that's not uh, where we are. Uh, they're funded as any other battalion. What the Nacha Haredi organization raises money for is for everything above and beyond. It's the spiritual wraparound, which is really the heartbeat of Nacha Haredi. Right. Now, uh, we get funding from the uh, government through the Ministry of Defense, which covers, I would say, about 6-7% of our budget. We have a budget today close to a million dollars a year, and we get uh, about $60,000 a year from the, from the government. Right. We have done everything in our power to lobby the government, the politicians, the, everybody we can, we can reach out to, to explain that... We, in order to do what we need to do, we need to be better funded by the government. There's a lot of promises. We haven't seen anything anything more than that today. What is the money used for, which is the, the question that everybody asks, as if this is a military unit, what do you need to raise money for? The soldiers of the Nachal Haredi have two major transitions in their, in their life at this time. One transition is the transition into the army. Right. <clears throat> which is a difficult transition. These are boys coming from families that have no uh, battle heritage, no brothers, sister, uh, not sisters, uncles, right. cousins that, that have been in the Army. And therefore, when they step into the Army, it's a foreign environment for them and a really difficult transition. They didn't grow up with the whole mentality. They didn't grow them, up with right. the mentality. And therefore, it's very important for them when they make this transition to have support of mentors that are in the in the base now it's we don't come to give uh, lectures we have a staff of uh, 15 uh, to 20 rabbanim that are visit the bases every day we have close to 20 bases around the country today wow and they they go there to give chizuk to the soldiers i would even say uh, that the the role of our rabbanim 
it, it is, is in many, many cases to be the Abba and the Ima of these Chayalim. Right. Many of the Chayalim, as I said before, they don't have family support. Many of the Chayalim, and I'm sorry to say... Strained relationships. true, not strange relationships. Until you look at a soldier in his face and he tells you that when he went to Lishkat HaGiyus to recruit, he called his parents to tell to them afterwards to enlist. Right. And following that, he called his parents and they said, don't bother coming home. Right. Until you hear that from a soldier, you can't believe that something. Are there that a lot true. of those cases? It's a non-negligible amount of, of soldiers. Yes, on many different levels. <coughs> all right, Underst- all right. Uh, different degrees. Different of, degrees of, of separation of from the family. Right. So one of the programs that we have is a uh, we have apartments for boys that can't go home. Right. Now there are lone soldiers. There's a lone soldier status right. in Israeli army. There's a lone soldier house, a Beit Chayal right. for these soldiers. That's not an appropriate environment for for, for these them. young men. Right. And we're certainly even if the boy <coughs> would think that it is, we're certainly not going to right. support. You take support responsibility. We take for responsibility right. for that. Therefore, we raise money <coughs> for these um, apartments. That uh, that a boy. I'll tell you what the, what, the, what the issue is. These boys are technically uh, lone soldiers, but they're not. They're not by definition. In other words, they have families. They have families. We, we, I always say we created a new definition of a lone right. soldier in the Israeli army. Alone with a family. <laughs> a lone soldier is somebody that doesn't have parents. Right. A lone soldier in the Nachal Haredi is somebody that has parents, but he doesn't have a home. Right, exactly. It's, it's sad. So we Obviously. have a rabbinic mentoring program. Right. Where it's the logistics. It's cars, rabbonim right. that go all over the country to the bases. It's a, There are ba- uh, apartments for these guys. We have a Karen Chatanim program. Wow. Where when a boy gets married and he doesn't have the wherewithal to, to set up a house, we buy appliances for him to help him set up his house. And more than that, the second transition, which is a transition from the army back into civilian life, is the other difficult transition because they don't have the communal support or the family support. Right. They need to get jobs. They need to get training. So what we did about three years ago, we started an alumni program. I took alumni, Bogrim of ours, and today they are October. They're in a dress for these young men. They help them prepare for interviews, prepare to help them get jobs and help them return and integrate into society. Because, place because by now, how many have come through Nachal Haredi over 15 years? Over 15 years, over 6,000 young men. Uh, can I assume, not to get too personal, can I assume things are cool with your family? Yes. Baruch Hashem. I have a great relationship. They're supportive, but as well, I'm a Chayal Bodid. A, a, a lone soldier officially. A lone soldier officially. Right. I also, uh, for, an Ameri- for an American to go is something interesting. I had an older brother who went as well. So for two brothers wow. from America to go, that's uh, Two brothers at big. all is something. Right. And mm-hmm. Imagine that from the United States. Um, uh, again, the uh, the uh, team of Rabbi Klibbenau and Sergeant Natanel Silverman will spend uh, Shabbos in the five towns. If you'd like to speak with them off the air and support the amazing work of Nachal Haredi, they gave a, a little a thumbnail description of some of the programs you can support. 201-377-3575, 201-377-3575. Before we wrap up, and obviously you're invited back again, I, I've been s- saying on this program for close to a week that you'd help shed some light, Rabbi Klibbenau, on this relationship between... Uh, the government of Israel, the yeshiva world of Israel, and how they view army service and what's being demanded or not demanded of them. We can, and I like to always point this out, we can establish that the government of the state of Israel is the greatest funder of Torah education in the history of the world. That's number one, correct? Correct. Um, Also, I think that when reasonably approached, the majority of the members of government, if not all, when reasonably approached on all these issues, 
they tend to be a lot more easier to deal with than when they're approached in a very combative manner. Would you agree with that? Please. Oh, but I'm at, well, the, the question is that it, it seems to me that when there's a combative relationship between the uh, religious community and the government of the state of Israel on this issue, let's say, of army service, which has been in the headlines now for months already, it seems that when there's a combative atmosphere, nothing gets done. And when there's some type of, I don't know, sit-down meetings, face-to-face, peaceful encounters, it seems like that both sides tend to be more reasonable. Would that be an accurate statement? Let me tell you what we what we did over the past year and how we dealt with a lot of these um, meetings that were going on within the Knesset to create this new law uh, that was put into place. We first of all we are totally apolitical with nothing to do with any Understood. political right. We, we we are a service provider. You're doing your job. We do our <laughs> job. A boy decides he wants to come to Amir. We're there to help him be matzliach b'chayim. Right. We're there to help him be successful in life. But now he has to choose to come. Right. Right. Now, but what we have done, and we have told, uh, I did attend many of these sessions as a onlooker. And we had had the opportunity, and a number of times I brought Bo Grimm to these Knesset sessions, alumni, to to tell them that what they're what they're really doing is detrimental to the to the recruitment of soldiers to Nachal Haredi and in general for Haredim. P- people have to. You understand. suffered in terms of attendance because of what seems like a crackdown of the Israeli government. Bugi alone, just I saw it uh, two days ago in the uh, online that he said that uh, in general, uh, the recruitment of Haredim to the entire army is down 50% in the last recruitment, and to Nachal Haredi, I think 30%. Now, now let me let me explain why that's so why that's so important. Tremendous change has taken place in Israel over the past 10 years. We are not in the same place. We are not only with Nachal Haredi. We have, we have Shacha, which is a program for Avrechim that want to go out to work. We have this, this national service. There are tons of universities giving uh, degrees. T- degrees to law degrees, all sorts of degrees to Haredim. We're not where we were, and therefore... What they need to do is very simple. Let nature take its course. You can't change things overnight, and and the contrary, it's going to backfire. Let things encourage, create new programs. The natural numbers will grow, and and the the criteria that they set forth, which the Haredi community doesn't want to adhere deal to, with, right, right here to, but those numbers are not numbers that won't even uh, in a natural growth. Those numbers are met in a very easy way. To, to, to think that you're going to force people into the army, it's, it's, it's the wrong way to do things. Simple as that. You think that if there would be no new law, and if the last year would have gone the way you just suggested, then a Haredi attendance in the army would have gone up, not this downturn that you just described. Based on a trend that happened in the right, last few years. Right, a trend that would have continued up, not just in the Haredi, but in general, right? You know, that they would have chosen whatever program they want. And in, and in addition to that, there would have been more ways to implement, I don't know, I guess, educational programs right. and eventually right. get. But, but but what about this whole restriction of not being able to get into the workforce if you have not served in the army? Wouldn't that be wouldn't that still be a big roadblock to getting people to, you know, eventually support their families through regular work? But you see that the the government is 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 uh, is taking those restrictions off in many places. Right. You can do national service and go to work. Right. You don't have to do the army in order to go to work. Right. It's not it's not the, the same stringency as it once was. And all they need to do is to in Hebrew we say is dirbun, 
to encourage, to create new paths. It, th- things are changing and things will happen. There's no reason to force it, and, and it's just work. It'll just work against them. Uh, doesn't some of the rhetoric bother you? When I mean, you, you're a rabbi, and you're very familiar with plenty of people in the Haredi community, obviously. Uh, when, when you heard people make accusations that the government of the state of Israel was behaving like some of the enemies of the Jews of past centuries have behaved, I mean that, that must bother you. That must right the, that rhetoric, I would assume, you felt was inappropriate. Well, when I hear p- people in the politics, politicians say that they have uh, now corrected the historical injustice. Uh, I don't really believe that's... Uh, <laughs> you don't think that's good either? I don't think that's good so either. Bo- so you would agree then that both sides um, in, in, both sides increase the heat of their argument a little too much? It would, the, the, the tactics on both sides, you say, probably could have been an, in a more peaceful manner. Basically what I said to right. begin with, right? That if there was more dialogue. more give and take, more dialogue, more peaceful negotiation, it could have been handled a lot differently. I think that's very true. Right. Well, I thank you for visiting us and uh, continued success. And this downturn uh, is affecting you in, in the same trend? I mean, there are a lot less Nacha Haredi inductees now oh, at the compared la- to a year ago? The last recruitment, it's too soon to say about a year, but the last recruitment, there was a, there was a downturn. We actually, the, the government had made a decision to open up a second battalion uh, about six months ago, and they did two recruitments that they actually recruited almost twice the amount of soldiers that they had recruited uh, before. Right. That's what you have to do to open a new battalion. You have to open two companies instead of one company at each recruitment. They did that for two recruitments, and all of a sudden everything started to happen, right. and, they, and that uh, this recent recruitment, the numbers dropped that they only, re- they only recruited one company. So I guess you would argue that the, the potential soldier... The, the 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 youngster who wants to go to the army, even sometimes uh, you know completely against his family's wishes, even that person uh, hesitated now to enlist because of the environment. That, that's correct. And you know uh, what I thought to myself just yesterday was uh, something that everybody should understand. A lot of people say, no, Nachal Haredi is not all Haredim. It's right. uh, it's like Hardal. Right. right. We said it's not a Hardal Nikim. Hardal Nikim datilumi. Now, what you've seen is that if if you can have a downturn <laughs> like that because of of the out uh, out outspoken people in right. Nachal and that has an effect on recruitment, well, you see that there's a vast majority there which is uh, actually Haredi. Point well taken, Sergeant. Along with that, the kid the kid who hesitates to come, at the end, he's the one that's losing out. Like right. he he wants to come, right. but. He feels bad coming. Right. So he knows it's the best thing for his personal development, and you've for, proven right, that. You've proven that he can excel well, right. at this, and the, the majority have excelled, in fact. You wanted to say yeah, yes. Yeah, Nachum, I think what's very important for our audience to understand is that, that Nachal Haredi is not only something important for the Haredi community. Nachal Haredi is important for the future existence of Klai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, for Medinat Yisrael. Nachal Haredi is all about building bridges. It's about building lives. It's about building an Eretz Yisrael, which, uh, which is the way, the way it's supposed to be. Right. If we believe the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel, you have to support what you're doing. You have to support what we're doing, 100%. And what we're doing, also people should understand, again, it's, we're not supplying so much the physical. Right. What we're doing is we're supplying, we're supplying the spiritual element. We're what we, we put the Haredi'ut into Nachal Haredi'ut. <laughs> right. You're also supplying uh, thousands of young men who are willing to 
risk their lives on behalf of the future of the Jewish people. That's You're true. sitting next to a sergeant who's been shot at, has had Molotov cocktails. I mean, somebody who wakes up every morning and is able to say, thank you, God, for giving me another day Absolutely. because it could have ended at any time. Absolutely. You, sh- you should continue to go, and all your comrades should continue to go with the blessings of the Jewish people from around the world. I mean, one, one, thing, one of yeah. the things we're giving out of the shuls is a uh, beautiful... Um, little card which has a tefillah for the chayelei tzal and it has a picture of some of our soldiers on it and, and you know that's something which is uh, very important people have to daven for all all of our soldiers of, uh, of the IDF they put their lines on the life every single day when we're sleeping in our homes safely and securely at night it's because these young men, all young men of the uh, of the IDF, are out there doing their job. And I believe that we're able to live in cities around the world because of their commitment in the IDF. Rabbi Klibbenau, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I remind everybody, uh, and, and Sergeant uh, Silverman as well, I remind everybody, Rabbi Klibbenau, uh, one of the founders of Nachal Haredi and Sergeant Natanel Silverman, will both be tomorrow night at the Golumbic Home in Lawrence, New York. Shabbos, they will spend at Eish Kodesh tomorrow morning in, uh, in Woodmere. And there'll be Shalashudah's time tomorrow evening at the Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst. They're here until Monday. If you want to speak with them and support their incredible work, you could dial area code 201-377-3575, 201-377-3575. Sergeant Silverman, you get the last word. Right, I'd just like to thank everybody who's listening, and I'd just like to thank the Five Towns Rockaway community for hosting us and hosting this event along with uh, the different rabbis from the community schools, Rabbi Brown, Rabbi Billet, Moshe Weinberger, Rabbi Feiner, Rabbi Hain, Rabbi Teitelbaum, to mention a few. A lot of great people out there. Yeah, a lot of great rabbis. And uh, then also in advance for anybody who would come out tomorrow night and anybody who is uh, going to partake in helping out and enabling this great organization. Phenomenal. Rabbi Klobina? Yeah, if we're talking about Hakar HaTov, which is a very important thing, so we have to give uh, give uh, Hakar HaTov to my board of directors from the Friends of Nachal Haredi, who are a very unique group of people. They not only give of their time, but also give of their money. Mr. David Hagerod in L.A., Mr. Steve Rosedale in Cincinnati, and Henry Olinsky in Teaneck. These are people that are really involved in the Nachal Haredi, devoting a good part of their lives and their finances to the uh, future success of Nachal Haredi. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Nachal Haredi, our focus on a Friday morning. Weekly update. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us next. Plenty more coming up on a very special Erev Shabbos edition of JM in the AM. <laughs>